we were meeting at other people's houses. It was as if uh, that amount of community connection had driven people to, to really begin chomping at the bit. Uh, I was noticing that uh, you know people uh, didn't want to just be known. They wanted to experience something together outside of the food, outside of the barbecue, outside of talking. And uh, what I began hearing and seeing is that the neighborhood wanted to start expressing themselves as a neighborhood. Hey, what's going on, everyone? It's Brian, host of Park Rose Life. Today we have a special guest. His name is James Helms. James is one of the most community-oriented people you could ever meet. And if you are engaged and involved in the Park Rose, outer Northeast Portland area, chances are pretty high that you're going to come across him at some point. He is the owner of Rocky Butte Coffee Roasters and Rocky Butte Espresso Bar. As am I, I became a co-owner in his endeavor. You'll hear more about that in the show. He is a community instigator, which means he gets things started and sparks a fire in the neighborhood. He and I go way back. We've met in community situations, community endeavors, and he's become a good friend, a mentor to me, someone I look up to and admire, and I definitely learn from his perspective on neighborhood and you're gonna hear my questions to him on that topic now all right james helms welcome to the show thanks brian (laughs) it's good to be here thanks man you and i met unsurprisingly doing some community engagement type of projects that was a number of years ago how many years ago was that like seven, something like that. Yeah, it's been a while. And I was struck by you because you were someone who seemed to have a clue about how to move forward, how to do things in the community. I think we're all kind of just on a journey of discovering these things, and it's always it's always good to run into someone like you. You know, whenever whenever I first met you, you were engaged in you know doing some community polling, which I thought was really awesome. So. Yeah, thanks for your help with that. And that project didn't end up taking off, but our friendship did. Yeah. So I think you got me out in the neighborhood, so that was good. Yeah. (laughs) I think that's a testament to that things don't always go as planned, or the objective you started out with isn't always met, but the relationships you form along the way Mm. are actually what becomes more important than whatever you were trying to achieve. Yeah. You know, I, I think maybe the reason why we stay in connect because I didn't necessarily wasn't really a part of your project as much as I was willing to jump in and uh, you know, give it a try and thought I would probably learn something along the way. But I ended up meeting you. So it was great. And let's set the geography. So you are a citizen, a member of the Madison South neighborhood. That's right. Madison South neighborhood. And I've lived there for 16 years. All right. Yeah. When you moved there, when you bought your house, mm-hmm. were you thinking about community was that term or concept something that was on your brain <laughs> not at all so uh yeah I, I got out of the army in 2005 and i moved to my house i had bought the house sight unseen and my whole intention there was to you know be at a place where it was kind of equal distance from the place where i would be going to college 
and uh, how far, you know, equal distance to where my wife was working. So we, we just kind of plotted it out and yeah, we were going to flip it. We were going to flip it and move to a nicer, cleaner, better neighborhood. You you seem to have failed at that. I did. Well, for, for numerous reasons. Um, But yeah, it, it took me a while to get, you know, my feet on the ground here in Portland. Life got busy with school. You know, the, I became a stay at home dad slash college student. And, um, yeah, it, you know, by 2007, the market started going south and that was a horrible time to flip anything. So we stayed. But along with that decision to stay, mm-hmm. something must have shifted in your mindset. Uh, not, not initially, mm-hmm. but eventually. Yeah. So yeah, the market turned south. We decided to stay and. Um, I was being encouraged, so I, I was going through a lot of growth, you know, in school and uh, through a church and some uh, church connections. And along the way, though, uh, you know, this, this idea of, of loving your neighbor uh, was a significant uh, part of, of being fully human. And I didn't know any better. I, I thought they meant literally. So I thought, well, the best way to start loving my neighbors is to actually meet them. So I just started some barbecues, and uh, yeah, the rest is history, I guess. Was that first barbecue or those first barbecues something that you feel kind of flowed naturally from your spirit? You felt like it was something you wanted to do, or did you feel like it was kind of, I don't know, contrived, or like, I guess I ought to be doing something like this? I don't know how to, I don't know how to contrive a barbecue other than, you know, I, I think I maybe just kept it really simple and I thought, well, I have a barbecue. Let me invite people that I meet over for a barbecue on Saturday. And so I happened to see a couple of people outside when I was outside and I said, oh, I've seen you walk by my house before having a barbecue on Saturday, neighborhood barbecue. You're welcome to come. And I kept doing that. And, uh, yeah, so it wasn't contrived at all. It was a neighborhood barbecue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think for a lot of people, that idea sounds nice. Like, yeah. oh, a barbecue with my neighbors. That sounds, yeah. sounds fine. Yeah. Uh, maybe their take is, oh, I don't, I don't know those people. Or huh. it's not high enough on my priority list to right. get my time on the weekends. So yeah. for people who are like, well, gee, why would you want to barbecue with mm-hmm. your neighbors? I mean, I have other friends I can invite over. Right. What's really the value in having friends or ha- mm-hmm. really knowing your neighbors? But I think there's nothing wrong with inviting friends over for a barbecue, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, along the way, I found some people that thought it was a little weird that I would invite neighbors over for a barbecue. But, over, you know, it, it felt really natural to invite people in my neighborhood over so I could, you know, see who was living around me. But uh, over time, I, I began to really question that notion that it was weird to invite people. Isn't it weird not to invite your neighbors over for a barbecue? Uh, I, I feel like it's kind of weird that you wouldn't want to do that now. Uh, and back then, it seemed really natural to do as well. But uh, yeah, I, I guess I would pose that as a question back. Isn't it weird that we don't know the people around us, that we're not looking for ways to love our neighbors? And the, the best way to love somebody is to eat with them mm-hmm. and, and uh, hang out with them and get stories and share life together. So that seems really natural to me. I think so, too. It's maybe why we're friends. <laughs> Exactly, yeah.
what would you say to someone who is interested in being involved in their community or in knowing their neighbors that that kind of posture or way of being is just mm. something they haven't done before mm. and they feel like maybe some level of trepidation about, mm. well, do I just knock on this stranger's door or do I need to become mm. interested in volunteerism? Mm. If someone says, James, how do I get connected in my own neighborhood? What yeah. would you direct them to? Well, if it doesn't flow out of just who people are, I, I would I would say that, uh, you know, it's probably going to be weird and awkward and not make any sense. But I think we're all uniquely designed and, and it's from that uniqueness you know, it might be something that, you know, we might have a passion to volunteer. Well, volunteering sounds like it might be a really good opportunity to become more present in the neighborhood and engage in the neighborhood. Some people are really extroverted. I, I kind of feel like I can be extroverted. And I, this certainly you know, led to a bit of extroversion to invite somebody that I never met over for a barbecue. Uh, for me, that was just a natural kind of thing. My wife, on the other hand, uh, she was really questioning, like, what are you doing? Like, why are you inviting people into our front yard for a barbecue and uh the the question you know didn't make any sense to me like why wouldn't i invite somebody over uh for a barbecue so i, I don't think there's any one one way but at, i think uh, if, if people take a little bit of time to slow down and and uh you know think about how do they fit within the fabric of their neighborhood there's going to be some natural proclivities that are there i'd say those are those are you. Those are your proclivities. And I think they're valuable for a neighborhood. Hmm. So I wouldn't want to say step one, step two, step three, other than say uh, discern who you are, how you are made and how you want to be a part of the neighborhood and start there. I think that's a great note and takes off a lot of the pressure for people who might feel like, oh, there's a certain way I need to engage with someone else or a certain objective I need to have. But you mentioned your wife feeling uncomfortable having neighbors. That's funny seeing her now. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, she's really well loved in the neighborhood for sure. But uh, that was also natural. She was simply available and uh, neighbors and the neighborhood kids came to her and it was the last thing that she uh, you know, the last thing she'd ever do is to say, no, I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> you know, the, uh, kids are, are just so present hmm. and she, she loves being around kids. She loves being around families. And so it was natural for her as well. She didn't initiate it necessarily, but she, she was just there present and available. So talking about everyone having different proclivity or interests, mm -hmm. different personalities. How have you linked with other people what came out of these barbecues when you started meeting mm. meeting your neighbors and yeah. meeting well, all sorts of different right. characters well the first one led to a second and I had no plan uh, no nobody was modeling for me the right way to do things I was just kind of going going with my you know next best idea which was well we did a barbecue this month let's do one next month <laughs> so we did that uh, for all of the nicer we, uh, months of the year, the first year. And uh, by the end of that, you know, there, there was a pretty good group of people coming around for the barbecues. And uh, by the next year, the neighbors that I had met that I now know by name uh, were really excited by the gathering and decided that they wanted to also start having barbecues at their house, too. So the second year was really about uh, going in visiting other people's houses and having barbecues at their place. And, uh, yeah, so there was no plan. We just kind of went with it. And, 
man, along the way, just uh, didn't try to overthink things, I, I think. I think the goal here is to, to be known and to know others. And uh, the idea of loving your neighbor um, uh, should be pretty, pretty basic. <laughs> it doesn't need to be complex. Uh, love can be a lot of different things, but uh, yeah, basic is good. It seems like there was quite a few of your neighbors who were pretty eager or at least quick to embrace that invitation too. Yeah, well, I, I think that uh, if you're not known or, or nor do you know others, you can live in a climate of a little bit of uncertainty or fear, maybe like low-key fear, uh, just because there's unknowns. But like, I don't know who these people are. I don't know what they have my best interest in mind. I, I, I don't know... Uh, I don't know how I fit in, in the place I'm at. So, yeah, um, I think it's natural to know who's around you. Now, whether we have the time and capacity and energy to engage, that's another question. But I would say that, uh, yeah, other neighbors had the same desire I did, which was to get to know the people around them. important to so I mean you're talking about literal neighbors people on mm-hmm. your block how far out should I go do I need to invite the people the six houses closest to me mm-hmm. do you think there's a value in defining geography well, you, you, I mean you could define geography but uh, um, I didn't think about that at the beginning nor would I suggest that that is the way that we suppo- we're supposed to do things. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no one right way. There's no line in the sand that says you're in, you're out. Uh, I would I would suggest that it's really dependent upon where you live and what's what seems like you know something that's achievable in terms of you know maybe walkable or uh, you know for a rural city maybe drivable. Who knows? I don't, I, I don't think in terms of like that line in the sand to say. I've gone too far or I'm not far enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You think so for some people when they think I want to be involved in my community or my city, mm-hmm. like you, yeah, a rural community, that might be an entire county, mm-hmm. right? Sure. Here in, in Portland, it's a much fewer number of blocks. Mm-hmm. Do you lose something if you're linking across a city and it takes mm-hmm. 15 minutes to drive? Is that that person is no longer such a, a literal neighbor. Right. But it seems to me what a lot of people think of, I want to be involved in my city mm-hmm. and that I feel like it just creates a dip having that mindset of miles and miles away mm-hmm. is as valuable as my block. There's a pretty different outcome mm-hmm. in terms of relationship and what uh, you, you talked about being known. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Being known. And, uh, you know, I, I, I was thinking literally about my neighborhood. I think other people might think literally about their city. But as I as I kind of went forward, I like how, how can you really be known if you touch base with somebody around you know the other part of the city? You're not going to drive there very often. It's a lot harder to be known there. So I think it's just natural for me to think a little closer in. Um, it's also uh, not just to know people, but to be known. Uh, these are places that, you know, I think about my neighborhood as a place where I, you know, I can walk to the store. I can, uh, you know, 
take a walk through the park where the where the nearby park is or it was just natural places where I'm just already kind of connecting that's my neighborhood something that's uh nearby um it's a bit of a mind bender to think about my neighbor as being somebody across the city though that is true I don't see them right nor do I go there often or ever <laughs> I can only be one place <laughs> and that's where I'm at and so yeah I, I think that sure neighbors are people that live around the world absolutely but for my literal neighborhood those are my literal neighbors it just makes sense for me to connect there yeah I think for me when I view the possibility of working with other people getting together with other people across a city or a larger area it allows me to kind of handpick the people I want to hang out with when I think about sure. my block or my little neighborhood well I can't it's not as easy to exclude people I have to think about the person two doors down from me whether I know them or don't know them yeah. so first how do you think about people in your neighborhood on your block who either are maybe difficult personalities mm -hmm. or perhaps slightly reclusive mm -hmm. or maybe you just don't click for whatever reason personality wise or yep. difference wise do you yep. make a special effort to try to get to know that person in a different way hmm. or do you just decide well these people over here are easy to hang out with i'm gonna spend most of my energy with those people i guess i'm leading leading you to an answer but yeah well, just for people who are afraid of like oh well betty two doors down i don't really get her right How, should i include her the same as my neighbor i like i mean if we're talking about a barbecue and i happen to cross Betty down the street, um, sure, include her. But if we're if if the context for the the connection is something that might might be project based or um, otherwise not appealing to someone like Betty, or because I, I know Betty doesn't like gardening, I'm not going to invite her to garden um, or you know a plethora of other possibilities. So yeah, I think it's um, there's nothing wrong with uh, you know being relational and recognizing that you know. These people aren't interested. I'll let them be. It's okay. Yeah, it's okay. You kind of made a distinction between like something that's social, barbecue, versus yep. something that's project-based. Maybe you're yep. doing something related to, to volunteering. Mm -hmm. Do you think those are equally valuable? What would you say to someone who only values one of those things and not the mm -hmm. other? Well, you know, there's such a plethora of different kinds of people. No one's ever ever going to like everything I like. I'm going to have interests that are clearly not the interest of other people. Uh, we're not talking about right and wrong here. We're talking about uh, we're talking about things that you know we are naturally drawn to, and uh, people are going to have all kinds of interest, and that's fantastic. Um, as it flows from the neighborhood barbecue, by the end of the second year of barbecues, where we were meeting at other people's houses. It was as if uh, that amount of community connection had driven people to, to really begin chomping at the bit. Uh, I was noticing that uh, you know people uh, didn't want to just be known. They wanted to experience something together outside of the food, outside of the barbecue, outside of talking. And uh, what I began 
hearing and seeing is that the neighborhood wanted to start expressing themselves as a neighborhood. And uh, for us, uh, that turned into a couple projects, like I mentioned before, project-based. A couple key leaders in the neighborhood started a community garden and a large group of neighbors that quickly grew into the dozens and then hundreds began doing these large street paintings. So. Uh, yeah, uh, if Betty down the street doesn't want to paint, nor does, does she want a garden, I mean, uh, that's that's fine. I mean, Betty, Betty might, you know, have some other things that she's doing that are awesome. But uh, we, we just can't know. We can't overthink it. And uh, all we can do is try to look for ways of creating synergy in the places that we're at and inviting people in where it makes sense. Do you think it would have been possible to create that community garden had you not had that baseline friendship that developed over a few summers of barbecues? Mm-hmm. Well, probably. I mean, what w- any project like that takes, right, as a leader that's willing to, to step out and, uh, you know, take on the risk and take on the workload and drive the, the project forward. Uh, in, in our case, it, there was a whole bunch of people that w- wanted to do that. So I think it made it easier for everybody to work together because we were already kind of there on the same page. So, Sure. Yeah, you can start a project a lot of different ways, but in our case, it was just a natural outflow of the connection. So that worked really well for us. But yeah, I mean, if you have a smaller group and you want to be really intentional about pushing, you know, your idea to the front, uh, just be prepared for the long haul and a lot of work and a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, perhaps a lot of effort to convince people that it's the right idea. <laughs> One thing I've been impressed with you by is that you are eager to be involved, but not eager to claim all the ownership if you're working on some kind of project like that. You like to collaborate. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I, I think it maybe just boils down to my understanding that I have a, a limited capacity to do any one thing. And uh, I'm, I think my, my view for from the neighborhood is more so about uh, not my ideas, but our collective ideas are really valuable. Our collective ideas are are uh, are where we're going to see a lot of uh, flourishing. And uh, so I know I can't lead everything. Um, I can lead some things sometimes, and and there's been certainly seasons where I've stepped out and led. Um, but uh, I've got a lot of talented neighbors. I, I would much rather they lead. Uh, someone with the real actual gifting in an area than me. Like, I'm, I'm pretty, you know, I've got finite amounts of energy, time, and know-how. <laughs> so they're better off at the task. And if I can help out, that'd be great. One phrase that you've used before that I like is community instigator. Mm, yeah. What does that word mean to you, instigate, in relation to your neighborhood? Uh, <clears throat> I don't know the definition of instigate. But I would say uh, an instigator is somebody that... Uh, is willing to jump in and poke around, ask the right questions about the possibilities and uh, encourage people that are, uh, maybe they have a eureka moment or a, a bright idea or maybe a perceived need. Instigate would, in that case, would be poke around and say, hmm, if that were to be a need in the community, where would you start? So I'm beginning to instigate movement towards uh, a perceived need or idea that might have been bubbling up. So yeah, instigate to poke around and spur on. 
<laughs> I think that's great. No. One of the projects you have led is Rocky View Coffee Roasters. Yeah. How did that start? How did your interest, passion for coffee come about? Were you always into coffee? Nope. I mean, I've always drank coffee. But in terms of like the, an interest in starting a coffee company didn't start right away. It, it was really a hobby. My wife was really into experimenting with coffee and, you know, brewing a good cup of coffee. She was watching uh, some videos and listening to a podcast. She invited me in to experience coffee with her. And this was probably eight or nine years ago. And uh, I, got be- I became curious. We, we pursued a perfect cup of coffee together. And uh, over time... Uh, she was happy with the results and I became even more curious about how do you get the beans to put in the coffee. So it started as really a, just a passion of mine, an interest, an area of interest of, uh, you know, how things work and how things flow together. So, uh, meanwhile, all the, the community things are happening. The barbecues are taking place. The, uh, gardens coming around lots of, uh, lots of work going into the street paintings. And, uh, yeah, it was a hobby at that point. By the third year, uh, the following year after, uh, I guess the fourth year after the projects really took place, I began to realize that projects are really easy to start, but really hard to maintain. It takes mm. a tremendous amount of work. And, uh, I began dreaming a little bit about what would it look like to put in place something that down the road might turn into a way to sustain neighborhood community things like gardens and paintings and uh, rather than put in you know we were putting in a huge amount of work into fundraisers for the paint and I mean those were all great and I think meaningful and I think we should always work for what we get Um, but I was looking for an easier way to maybe uh, make it a little easier it's really a barrier starting something from scratch is really hard but how do we sustain it? So I began playing around with the idea of maybe starting a coffee business to raise some money for the community stuff. And that eventually turned into launching a coffee company. So you were tired of raising money. So you started a whole business so that it would be easier. I wasn't tired. I was just trying to think longer term. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I began to realize that, you know, projects, projects are easy to start. But uh, at the rate we were going... You know, project the projects we're starting were pretty significant in terms of time and time and uh, need, uh, all of the supplies and resources that would would take, and uh, it just made sense that if we were going to continue to start these community projects, that we would find a funding mechanism for them. At least from my personal perspective, like how would I personally contribute funds if I didn't have something you know going so I was like you know by the end school had been finishing up and I was ready to move on to a career and I eventually landed on the coffee business as the next best step for me did it have to be you you said you're interested in coffee as a hobby you were roasting trying to make your perfect cup of coffee and creating a neighborhood business for you did it have to be coffee I mean how did you get from hobbyist to yeah business it was it was a hobby for a good while i i was uh, roasting coffee for us at the house and having fun learning about roasting just in my garage with a little roaster smoking up the neighborhood and uh it got to the point where i began roasting for some neighbors and some friends and family and then it was one saturday i was on my little 1.5 kilo roaster on the garage for like eight hours just trying to get out these 
these coffees that I'd promised to people. And I thought, this is absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> Either I start saying no and roasting less coffee, or I actually turn it into a business, something that could actually pay for itself because roasting coffee isn't cheap. So I, after some thought and uh, talking with Cheryl, decided that I would, I would launch out and start a company. Did you have a specific vision of how big you wanted to get this company or and there's, I mean, we know there's a lot of ways to be yeah. involved in the coffee industry. Sure. You could have a coffee shop, you can do coffee wholesale, you can mm -hmm. be at events. Was the vision pretty clear from that point of how you wanted to combine coffee business and community or was it take time? Yeah, it was about as clear as a dark cup of coffee. It was clear as mud. Yeah, I know it wasn't clear at all. I, I knew that uh, I'd gone to school for business and uh, I knew that it was, there was, I could get in at multiple levels. I could keep it really small, have a mom and pop, you know, no employee kind of operation and, and do okay. Um, over time, I realized that uh, that would also really lock me into to where I'd be spending all of my time and decided that I wanted to start building something a little bit bigger that could sustain um, paid employees. So, you know, as I went, the, the you know, the, the vision grew and grew. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I suppose it's still going to be growing at this point. So. so get me up to speed. Now you're a couple of years into this coffee venture. Yep. What do things look like? Yeah, a few years into it. Uh, we, you know, we started... Uh, we started small with just some home deliveries, and it was a side project. And I was working and doing some other other jobs for a while, and uh, turned in the home deliveries turned into eventually starting to go to farmers markets, which really took my Saturdays and Sundays because I was at a couple markets. Did that for about three years, and at this point, we've launched out with our first uh, espresso bar, first of hopefully several to come in the uh, near future, and. Uh, yeah, we're we're making a go of it. Has the espresso bar been kind of the community connection point that you envisioned? Yeah, I mean, we're so we're two months into the espresso bar. Uh, the first month we connected with two hundred unique neighbors uh, using a credit card. That's how we're gathering the data. Just a software for payment, uh, and 200 unique neighbors that I had not really met before, and for the most part, I had not met many of the people coming in the espresso bar. So, yeah, it's uh, it's been a great place to meet new people. Now we're in the middle of a pandemic, so it's not been like a great gathering place, but it has been a little area where people are bumping into each other, and in socially distanced ways are are meeting new neighbors as well. So in that regard, uh, just as a place to connect with people. And it's been really good. And um, yeah, all signs are pointing to this being a fantastic idea for the neighborhood. I'm looking forward. What are your hopes for your neighborhood? How do you see yourself being part of it? Hmm. Well, uh, you know, back to the drawing board, so to speak. Um, at this point, I am envisioning a hope and dream board to once again go through the process of listening and engaging with neighbors about hopes and dreams for the community. And, uh, you know, I, uh, 
I, I pitched the idea to a neighbor that came in for coffee shortly after I realized it was probably time to start listening again. And, uh, you know, Dennis, in this case, volunteered to put it together. So uh, a neighbor, Dennis, is going to be putting together a, um, a map for the wall. And I began connecting with some institutions and I'm envisioning a hope and dream board to, to try to discern uh, a shared hope and dream that can uh, begin to be uh, be, begin to be put together as a result of uh, our ability to create a gathering space in the future and uh, redirect some of the resources that we're going to be making, earning in the community through the espresso bar. And uh, yeah, I have no idea where it's going to go from here. Um, now, that's on a very hyper-local community focus. The business has grown to not just be considered of my own direct neighborhood. We definitely do have some other plans that are in the mix uh, around Rocky Butte outside of my direct literal neighborhood. Talking about this community vision board that you're going mm -hmm. to invite different people to contribute yep. to, I imagine hopefully people have a lot of the same ideas or ideas that other people want to get behind. Yeah. When we envision hope for our neighborhood, there's some easy things like a community garden sounds great. What about the institutions mm -hmm. or neighbors who maybe mean well and yeah. they want the best yeah. for the neighborhood, but their vision of what's best for the neighborhood is kind of different than yours. Yeah. How yeah. do you work together? How do you communicate? You know, if an institution uh, has a different hope and dream than the neighborhood does, you know, they're really up a creek. They really are. So uh, it's going to be interesting. I've not actually put together a hope and dream board with institutions, neighbors, and visitors. We'll learn something in the process. Um, my assumption is, is that we all have a lot of similar hopes and dreams when it comes to neighborhoods. Some might be more shorter term than longer term. Yeah, I don't know. I, my assumption is, is that the institutions are going to want to be a part of the neighborhood in some meaningful way. But uh, yeah, it's very possible that their hope and dream doesn't align with the neighbors. So yeah, we're going to learn. <laughs> Appreciated our conversation. It's been great chatting with you. I'm always inspired by your heart for your neighbors and how naturally it flows out of who you are. I want to get to the end here with what we're going to call our rapid fire questions. All right, I'm ready. All right. So you and I, Park Rose, Madison South, we can debate whether that's the same community or different, mm -hmm. but I'll let you define it how you want. Mm -hmm. What is your favorite food spot mm -hmm. in our community? Uh, La Mezteca is the taqueria right next to our espresso bar. <laughs> I like it. I, I eat there very frequently. How does it pair well with uh, espresso? Uh, yeah, I probably wouldn't recommend that. <laughs> no, not a breakfast burrito and a mocha. Oh, we're, we're talking breakfast burritos. I was thinking about the El Pastor tacos. Uh, yeah, totally. Uh, pairs very well. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite place to spend time outside in the area? 
outside, you know, if I'm, if I'm spending time outside, I'm typically walking. So I just have a pathway in the neighborhood through certain streets. It takes me about 45 minutes and I'll walk. I, I don't go to one place and then, you know, spend time. Um, you know, there's been seasons where I go to a nearby park, um, but uh, yeah, walking in the neighborhood is, is a favorite pastime. Wow, I thought you might have set up Rocky Butte. Overrated, huh? Uh, well, it's a great plot. It's a great spot, for sure. It's not a place that I go to often. What's been your favorite event in the community? Oh, a plethora of great events. Uh, typically, um, you know, very small um, with minimal planning, but things like uh, a apple crushing where we crush apples and make apples, apple juice for apple cider, that kind of thing. Those kind of community events I really, really love. I missed out on that. That sounds fun. Yeah. What, what what's a good way for people to connect with you in person, online? Mm. How can they find out more about Rocky Butte Coffee Roasters? Yeah. Uh, RockyButteCoffee.com is the business site. And, uh, you know, my name Search my, search my name on Facebook, I suppose, James M. Helms. You'll find me if you wanted to connect through Facebook. Otherwise, yeah, email me, james at rockybuttecoffee.com. That'd be a great, easy way to connect. All right. I like the M. You're fancy. You know, <laughs> I don't know about that, but thanks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, James. Yeah, thank you, Brian. That was my good friend James Helms, my partner in crime at Rocky Butte Coffee Roasters. I had a great time chatting with him and how to be a neighbor, and I'm really looking forward to what we can do with our company in the Park Rose neighborhood. So stay on the lookout for a coffee shop in Park Rose that we are going to put here and build with our community. Next time on the Park Rose Life Podcast, we've got my friend Ashley Brasea. She's someone who's involved in the school board. She's a resident of Maywood Park. And we'll talk about what that is. And she's someone who cares deeply about all of our neighbors, especially those who might get overlooked or not included. So you definitely want to tune in to that. I'm Brian Atkinson. This is Park Rose Life. Park Rose Life.